Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you have a question about, we can talk about on the show. Nothing is technically off. How shall we say? We can talk about anything. Nothing's off limits. I'm not saying I'm your best friend. I'm saying I'm your uncle that knows a lot about investing. I try to put things in simple terms like winners and losers. I try to boil it down. And I think I do a nice job. Welcome to October, by the way. Is it like Rocktober? No. It's okay. You know, I haven't looked at the market numbers all day today. Let's do this together, shall we? My little Mr. Rogers moment. Come on in, children. Oh, we're green. Nothing dramatic. Start a little higher. We're grinding a little bit lower. I think grind is the word of the day. Let's see if you agree with me. Ten-year treasury, which is kind of an economic fear gauge, sits at 69 basis points. Um, It's slightly showing a better economy. If I were to boil it down, I know that's not fair. But today it's just saying, eh, things didn't get worse. So we're going to say things got a skosh better. I'm taking a look at stocks, winners, and losers of the day. Nothing's really jumping out. Um, No, I would say nothing's jumping out. As I continue, like I'm looking for Bitcoin. I'm looking for gold. I'm looking for anything that I can make a story out of as far as numbers. And I really can't. I'd like to, but I can't. PepsiCo had a good quarter. I like PepsiCo. They're a stock you can understand. If I say Doritos, you say delicious. If I say Pepsi, you say Coke. Like you understand Coke versus Pepsi, and you understand that they're a snack food company. And it's kind of some basic analysis that will lead you somewhere. PepsiCo posted stronger than expected revenues, stronger than expected earnings. Pepsi said it sees its earnings slightly ahead of expectations for the rest of the year. That's important because Wall Street likes the demon known versus the demon unknown. Despite the ongoing volatility and complexity in their operating environment, third quarter performance reinforces the diversification of our portfolio. And when you take a look at Pepsi and you think of a look at their portfolio, you think rice, aroni, Cheetos, Doritos, Ruffles, Lay's. Gatorade, Aquafina, Tropicana, Mountain Dew, Pepsi. Wait, wait. Did he say Aquafina water? Yes, that's a Pepsi product. Gatorade, okay, okay. 
know, they make those cool commercials with athletes in their sweats, all 3D and cool. Yes. How about Ruffles? I introduced my children to Ruffles not that long ago. And they were like, these are good. The company was incorporated in Delaware in 1919. It goes back a hundred years. Now they're incorporated in North Carolina, but that doesn't matter. A hundred years. They came out of the last pandemic. They came out of the last big flu thing that took down Americans left and right. And a hundred years later, here they are selling the Frito-Lays. Ruffles, Doritos, Cheetos, Gatorade, Tropicana. They sell orange juice. They're a big story today because they beat expectations. I wish I was more excited about it. I'm not. Allstate is planning to cut 3,800 jobs. You're in good hands. Not so much. American Airlines and United Airlines are saying they're going to start some furloughs. We're looking for about 30,000 people. Now, that's a material number. And those are people who have lives and wives and houses and mortgages and children. They got bills to pay. We'll see how that's going to shake the economy. Tomorrow we get the employment report, first Friday of the month, most important day of the year. San Francisco Fed president has talked about the need for more fiscal stimulus. The Federal Reserve has extended its restrictions on share buybacks and dividend payments for large banks for another quarter. Trump and Biden both agree on electric vehicles. That's nice to see. But we had good earnings last night from Pepsi, Bed Bath & Beyond, ConAgra, Constellation Brands, Starbucks increasing their dividend. Um, some guys like blondes. I like dividends. In good years and bad years, a stock like a Starbucks is going to pay you a dividend. Now, let's take a look at Starbucks dividend. And let's just say it's probably not going to be sexy. Like, it's not going to be 5%, 6%, 7%. I can live off that kind of money. It's 1.9% of a dividend yield. So part of their profits, they're going to put back into the business. Part of their profits, they may buy back shares. Part of their profits, they may um, come up with a new product, a new acquisition. When Starbucks got into the tea industry, did they get into the tea industry to sell tea, or did they get into the tea industry to shut down the tea industry? There was a rise in, hey, honey, do you want to meet at a coffee shop and talk about business? To, do you want to meet at the tea shop? Like, it, it started to expand a bit. And tea, much more, how shall we say, in fuego, popular in Asia than coffee. Um, Starbucks won at world domination, so they kind of got into both and they kind of shut one down. But that dividend of 1.9%. It's just a little bit of money that they make that they share with you, this, the shareholder. Now, I like that because I can count on $100,000 paying me 1.9% a year, and I can start saying, okay, that's on the lower side of an income portfolio. Let's blend it with something like a high-quality junk bond fund. I know those are all mixed words that don't make any sense, but you kind of blend the portfolio together of income. 
I have no problem if any of my listeners say I want to own Starbucks. I have no problem saying I don't think that's a bad idea. Could hold work advisor for taking action on any stocks I mentioned on the show. Um, you get it, you see it, you understand it. Yes, are there times like when we're going all at four percent unemployment, where we're at work and we're like, man, I really hate the boss. Let's go for coffee. Yes, 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 yes. You know the guy who invented the Keurig coffee machine regrets it? He didn't realize how much waste it was going to create. Can you imagine becoming super rich and super famous because you invented something and you kind of regret it? So do I think Starbucks is going to be in business in 100 years? I don't know. Probably. Are we going to come up with something to replace coffee? I don't think so. Um, do they factor in a profit margin before they even you know put the price on the menu? Absolutely. I'm okay with Starbucks. And I could even get into some of their gross initiatives. But the stock dividend, it's a nice story. It's not a, the story, but it's a nice story. I think a bigger story for Starbucks is, for instance, expanding their breakfast menu, expanding their lunch menu, getting into alcohol. I can find growth in their story. But there's also a little bit of income. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. This is the Killers. I don't know how this happened, but they have a whole concert on YouTube. I don't know why they don't get upset by it. I don't know why they don't tear it down. Had hundreds of millions of views. So you go to YouTube, hit the killers, and there's an hour 22 of basically their greatest songs, back to back to back to back. And it's at a, a famous music call. Um, I miss live music enormously. Now, I want you to be an investor who gets it. <clears throat> I find live music to be sexy. I find it to be romantic. I find it to be a connection with human beings, shared through other people's talent that is just, it's just, it's awe inspiring. There's an investment that I am strongly looking at. And I think you can consider when I share it with you, that means I can't legally buy it or sell it for three days. I'm not allowed to front load something. I'm not allowed to pump and dump, but it's called live nation. They hold center stage as the world's largest ticket seller and promoter of live entertainment. Um, we're not doing a lot of that right now. I had tickets to see a band called AGR in August of this year that basically got canceled in March of this year. So the tickets were refunded to me and I've got a credit now. I had a choice of taking 150% of my purchase as a credit or get a hundred percent of it back. I took the 150% because heck that's more buying power in the future. And that, to me, if I'm going to invest in tickets, that's a 50% gain right there. What stinks is there's still no concerts. I like the idea of Live Nation as a reopening play. The company connects over 580 million fans across concerts, um, live sporting events, musical theater. 
I had a boy that is getting to the age where all of his friends are going to see Hamilton. So I'm like, okay, I got to get him tickets for Hamilton. He, he should see his first Broadway show. That was quick. Props to my producer. Props. Um, or did I just hear that in my head? Was that real or was that odd? Exactly. Listen to the audio tape. Um, so Ticketmaster sells more than 485 million tickets annually. That is pre-pandemic, right? I hope so. But if I want to go to Vegas and I want to see a show, let's say I want to see Celine Dion. Celine Dion, she's the greatest singer ever. I would probably go to Ticketmaster or Live Nation. Uh, it's not it. That's it's that simple. I can get cute and go to Vivid Seats or I can get cute. No, no, no. Ticketmaster, you kind of have this guarantee that's going to happen. Ticketmaster, you kind of have a guarantee that your ticket's going to be a ticket. Vivid Seats, eh, I don't know about that one. I'm not knocking Vivid for the record. I'm just trying to say Live Nation is to ticketing what Amazon is to online purchases, in my mind. Now, I hate Live Nation. I remember back in 1986, I wanted to see you two in concert. And the night before, I had to go find a Ticketmaster. Ticketmasters then were typically put in things like Macy's. And ultimately, Macy's would get customers coming in their store to buy tickets. And you would get there at 10 o'clock the night before. You would camp out to buy tickets. I bought my sister Madonna tickets just to piss off my dad. And I had to get there the night before. I sat there for like six, seven, eight hours in the middle of the night waiting for Macy's to open. Because if you weren't the first 10 people in line, you didn't get tickets. Or if you got tickets, you were in the nosebleeds. So Live Nation did a uh, – it was called Ticketmaster. Then. It, was, it wasn't really Live Nation, but you get the idea. They did this thing where they, they installed computers that would print tickets in, in stores. And their service fees were outrageous. Have you ever paid for tickets and you're like, well, I just got $100 tickets for the Stanley Cup Finals. And then the fees, you're like, $40 on a $100 ticket? You're like, whoa. But ultimately, they've got – they own exclusive booking rights for 275 venues. House of Blues, just to give you an example. They have offices in 40 countries. The company has nearly 110 managers providing service to more than 500 artists. They also manage artists. Um, they're a big play on entertainment. Now, I don't know if I'm going to go to Hawaii this year. And I don't know if I'm going to go to a concert this year. So those are the industries that are the most questionable because I don't know. But if you take a look at the history of the company and you assume they can get back to pre-pandemic levels, or maybe even there could be a surge. This Christmas, gift cards are going to be a big gift. I think gift cards to something like Live Nation where you go, I know you didn't get to see Taylor Swift in concert this year, but I'm going to give you enough money so you can see Taylor Swift in concert next year. I think they'll benefit. There's nothing that I don't like about the company on a cash flow level, on capital expenditures, net financing. I like their assets. I've grown from $1.8 billion to $2.3 billion, $2.4 billion. Uh, I have no problem. Now, again, are they risky right now? 
absolutely, because we're not going to concerts. But as I get an email every week from Live Nation and they tell me, hey, Rob, you were supposed to go to a concert. You didn't go to it, so we gave you credit. Here's some concerts you can choose from. I'm like, wait, wait, there's concerts I can choose from? So, yes, they're, they're starting to sell tickets to Bottle Rock next year, which kind of got me into this whole conversation in the first place. They're starting to sell tickets to the Eagles next year. The Eagles are supposed to have a big tour this year. Man, that's not going to happen. So they're saying, let's do it next year, and let's get people to pony up a little bit of Do-Re-Mi now so we can book these uh, engagements and we can give money to the concert halls and vice versa, and you know we can come up with emergency plans if we need to come up with emergency plans. So take a look at Live Nation. I think long-term, it's going to be part of our lives. I, I hate them because the fees. I love them because the convenience. Man, that one sucks, doesn't it? Consult a broker advisor for taking action on any of the mentioned. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, more. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. A little blondie bringing us back. Let me give you a little perspective. I think music is a big part of this show. I used to handpick everything, and then I just kind of got too busy. And in the future, I want to handpick everything again. But also, I want my producer to be entertained enough that he has to kill two hours with me and make sure that I don't say dirty words on air. I want him to be compelled enough to learn a little bit about finances while listening to pretty good music here and there. Uh, And we kind of talk through stuff during the breaks. One of my listeners, he's been a longtime listener. He's been back for the CNET days. CNET was a tech radio station, which right there was a problem. It was on an AM signal in San Francisco. And I made a decision 20 years ago to give up a national radio show and come to San Francisco for a regional radio show. Good decision? I think so. Um, I wanted to move. I wanted to change. It's part of what drove me. Um, the music scene on the East Coast way better than the music scene on the West Coast. But that's something I kind of put aside. So I was like, let's do good music on a radio show talking about stocks or my music. Keep me entertained, keep the producer entertained kind of thing, right? So a listener who's been listening since back in the CNET days sent me an email yesterday. And I love this because it's, it's almost hilarious. Miley Cyrus, Heart of Glass by Blondie. He thinks it's better than the original. And I go, no way, um, because my oldest brother was a hippie. And he brought me into his bedroom and played Cheech and Chong albums for me when I was seven or eight. And he was like 19, 20, 21 at that point. So my dad was pretty random when he had kids, to say the least. There's one that's really old in my family, and there's one that's really young. But if you get a chance to watch any Blondie on like Netflix documentaries or something like that, isn't it funny that I'm saying Netflix documentaries? I think she was CBGB, which was a New York City music club opened in 1973. Um, the club was a biker bar, and then it turned into a dive bar, and then it turned into country bluegrass, blues, um, pop music, um, uh, punk, 
she was considered a, a punk leader. So anyhow, if you ever get a chance to watch a little Blondie, that's how I bonded with one of my brothers. And a listener just sent me Miley Cyrus version of Heart of Glass, which is a great song. Both of them are great songs. And I give Miley Cyrus a lot of credit. She can do covers unlike almost anyone else. She's surreal at it. And again, do I want to make fun of her? Yes. Do I hate her twang? Yes. Do I hate that her dad's Billy Ray Cyrus and Achy Breaky Heart? Yes. Is she dang talented? Absolutely. When she was on Saturday Night Live and we're all going through the pandemic and I'm almost getting emotional here. And she's saying, I wish you were here by Pink Floyd. You're like, she did that well. I kind of wish she had her own music that you could say that's like she she does. She's worked with Mark Ronson, a great producer, which is something you have to understand about the music industry. You got to have great producers. It's not just about the talent. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is a, a song about teen angst, right? When I say teen, let's just say millennial. <sighs> Millennials want to be important. They want to be heard. They want to be seen. I get it. They grew up with phones in their hand where they could see people and, and touch people on a regular basis. Uh, TikTok and Facebook, you know, or their library cards. When I went to the library and I got books, they checked into apps. I bring it up in large part to salute the listeners. I got an email from a listener yesterday saying, you should listen to this Miley Cyrus cover of Hard Glass. It made me think of my brother. It made me think of, of pop and punk music. It made me think of the New York scene. Got a little emotional. But again, that's one of the reasons why I'm bringing up Live Nation for a second time in the show as a stock that I'm looking at. I'm not telling you to do it, and I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. They've got a lot of financial issues to deal with right now, and I don't see the path to going to see you 2 with 20,000 other people. I don't see the path of going to see Miley Cyrus with 20,000 people. But I do see the music industry will change, and maybe they'll charge more for a ticket with fewer people there. I've seen the music industry embrace some change during the pandemic. And again, let's, let's applaud Best Buy. They changed during the pandemic, and they pulled it off. Let's applaud companies. Um, I saw one concert. Uh, Drive-in concerts are big now. And a drive-in would be like, you go to uh, name your ballpark in your, in your local city. It's not a drive-in theater. It's a drive-in ballpark is the way I would look at it. So that makes concept to you. And you park your car in a parking space, and every other parking space is six feet apart. So your social distance, stay in your freaking fracking car is the idea. People don't do it, and that's fine. You have the right to not stay socially distanced from people. They have the right to tell you do or don't. I get it. But they're starting to sell tickets now to baseball stadiums and football stadiums that are empty. And they say, let's do a concert and we'll get the, we'll get the big TV. We'll get the big stage and we'll make this as good of an experience as we can for you. So I'm optimistic about Live Nation. Am I in yet? I, I, I can't say no. Should I? I think so. Is it a reopening play? Yes. Is it a vaccine play? Yes. Is it our economy strong with unemployment at 4%? No. I'd like it to be. 
and that's a little bit of you ha- you have some time to figure this one out. Anyway, I don't think it's going to be Apple. I don't think it's going to be a moonshot. I don't think it's going to be easy money. But they're kind of a monopoly. When you spin the wheel of, I want to go to a concert this week, you tend to land on Live Nation or Ticketmaster. Same same freaking fracking company. Are there some things that come along like Eventbrite? Yeah. Are there some, you know, are some of these venues going to go completely out of business? Yeah, that's sad. And some of them had alternative plans, and you get the idea. The GoFundMe's, which CFP, Chad Burton, and myself were talking yesterday about doing a webinar. I I think it's going to be a very personal webinar where we teach you a lot about what we do and why we do it. And his idea, and applaud Chad for this, is let's do some, let's do a charitable event where we'll give our time and we'll talk. You give five, ten, fifteen dollars to, you know, a forest fund or, you know, a, a community that got destroyed. Which these wildfires have destroyed communities. And oddly enough, and this is going to be the twisted sick humor by Rob Black. Be ready for it. Some of the poorest areas get hit by the biggest disasters. And in the Oregon area, a fire ravaged a town that was low-income families. And he's like, let's do a fundraiser for that. I'm like, I'm in. Count, count on me. And I'll market it. I'll brand it. I'll do whatever I, you need of me. So we're, we're putting together that idea. But um, eh, not to get preachy or anything like that. And hopefully we put together something of value to you. So maybe it'll come down the road. Let's go back to business. One of my favorite lines from a uh, uh, Beverly Hills cop was Eddie Murphy and he's delivering flowers and uh, he goes on, he, he goes undercover. He pretends to be somebody to get in somebody's office kind of thing throughout the whole movie, the whole series. And at one point in time, he, he, he has to get into someone's office so he can ra- rifle through their desk and find their passcode or something like that. So he, he grabs a, a potted plant and goes in and tells the secretary, Florida live is my life. <laughs> I love that. Florida live is my life. Uh, so he pretends to be a person delivering flowers. Florida delivery is his life. Uh, it stuck with me because beauty is my business. Beauty is my business. No, beauty is not my business. Talking stock is my business. Starbucks has increased their dividend. Constellation Brands, ConAgra, food company. Bed Bath & Beyond. Man, they are a company. I, I, wonder, I, I worked hard on Best Buy yesterday for you guys. I really got to know the company and the CEO and how they did in the pandemic because I think it's a great story. Bed Bath & Beyond, I think they're trying to do something similar. Bed Bath & Beyond in the 1990s was an amazing investment. At one point in time, they had something like 29, 30 straight quarters of, of upping expectations. They were growing so well that it got better and better and better and better and better. Now, part of it was they were opening new stores and sometimes new concepts. And you're thinking Bed Bath Beyond. Well, in the 90s, owning real estate became more of a thing. And when you own real estate, you go to Home Depot, you throw paint on the walls. You go to Bed Bath Beyond and get pillows. Remember all those um, trading spaces and things, uh, learning channels and the home shopping networks? And they, they went through this big phase of home improvement. And one of the best ways to improve your home is pillows. 
I know you're saying, really? I'm going to stick with that story, even if it's not true. And Bed Bath Beyond was the king of pillows. If you needed a pillow or a sham or a chamois or things in your home that you didn't know you need, you went to Bed Bath Beyond. I don't know. To me, I, I, I'm cautious of big retail. But if they can figure out delivery, I'm in. Best Buy figured out delivery. I get why their stock is so strong. Can Bed Bath & Beyond do it? PepsiCo had a great quarter as well, because beauty is my business. Expecting big furloughs day out of American Airlines and United Airlines. Big jobs report tomorrow. Friday is the most important. First Friday of the month is the most important day of the month for you to pay attention to on Wall Street. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Let's try to put a big bow on this mess of a show. Had a little bit of diary of the mouth today. 33% of Americans plan on giving more digital gift cards this year. You could actually use a credit card to get discounts on gift cards. I'm not a big gift card person, but I totally get it. Um, Pandemic, I I get why it's going to be bigger than ever. Uh, One gift card that I like or one company. Okay, wait. I like reward cards enormously. What stinks about me is I like using my rewards for travel. Because then I go, I'm staying at a five-star hotel for free. I'm staying on that silly coffee that I had at Starbucks and I got points for. Target Red Card's awesome. I would use it. I would encourage you to use it. The thing that I don't like about it, it's it's tied to your debit card, but you get 5% discount at checkout. I'm cool with that. If we're going to be shopping at Target and billions of dollars are shopped at Target, might as well get 5% off. Um, I use a city double cash card. So I get 1% when I buy, 1% when I pay my bill. So I get 2% off everything. I use an Amazon credit card. Anything I buy on Amazon, I use the Amazon card for because they give you 5% off. And then like you can use Amazon Smile. Smile is a donation program that anything you purchase, they'll give a tenth of a bazillion of, of a penny to your charity. But it adds up. I like it. I'm not against it. I don't mind using cards as best as I can. So I have a $450 Chase Sapphire uh, travel card that gives me $300 of travel discount. Not so much this year, right? So they give me $300 discount on food, on, on restaurants. So I got $300 free. So it's a really $150 card. And then I get the the passenger TSA go through lines at airports super fast for cost a hundred dollars a year pre screening. Eh, okay, so this year wasn't a good deal on that, so it's really only fifty dollars. Um, but when you get those rewards, they add up, and I have no problem with using rewards. I'm not. I started this talking about gift cards and how more Americans are going to use them this year, and then I kind of started going, eh, I don't really like that story. But like the Target card, 5% off, do it. If you're not, uh, I've got a friend who uses a credit card that has no rewards tied to it. I'm like, what are you doing? 
And I pulled out my phone. I, I showed him my apps. I'm like, okay, so when the pandemic's over, I've got $20,000 of flights coming my way. I may not use them. I may give them to charity. Um, if, you know, Chad and I do that webinar tied towards charity, maybe I'll give points to a fireman's fund so that they can go on vacation. It, points are awesome, in my opinion, and it, they're fine. Credit cards aren't evil. Credit cards aren't the devil. People who don't pay their credit cards on time are flawed. People who let their credit card balances get carried are hurting themselves. Do I want you to pay an 18 to 24% interest on a purchase? So let's say you go to Amazon today and you buy something on Amazon. You get that 5% off. Woohoo! But if you don't pay it, you're paying 18 to 24% credit card fees. No, 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 no. Pay off your balances every month and rewards are awesome. I like credit cards for one simple reason. I can get through my credit card statements and figure out what I've paid and haven't. I can figure out my budget based on my credit cards. I hate cash. Cash is dirty. Cash is filthy. I know you're saying, what are you talking about? <laughs> we love cash. No, 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 no. Um, there's a lot of little stigmas in the world. Cash is, when I have cash in my wallet, I tend to spend it. Credit cards, I tend to watch my spending. So credit cards are not evil. Just throwing that out there for you. Um, I like the rewards. McDonald's menu continually changes. I have a friend that completely believes that McDonald's introduced like chicken McNuggets, that they were really high quality breast meat at one point in time, and they turned into this like beak and foot and bone and cartilage nuggets from great breast meat to beacon bone. Um, if you ever take a look at McDonald's, they're a fascinating company to watch the product. They just came out with the spicy chicken McNugget. McNuggets have been out since 1983. I know you're saying, ah, that's a lot to, for me to digest. Google came out with a lot of product yesterday and they actually came out with a, a product that's really, really cool. Um, their newest Chromecast ties totally into YouTube, YouTube TV and Google TV and YouTube. So it's a little dongle that fits in the back of your TV in the HMI slot. They really haven't updated it much through the years. And the streaming platform wars kind of passed them by. But Google stepped up their game yesterday. And yesterday I made a case for you buy that stock if there's an investigation into them and the stock falls. I think you can buy it for the long term. I don't think a Justice Department subpoena is going to hurt them in any way, shape, or form. The product that they're coming up with, rock, scissors, paper, I still like Apple. But Google made a good case yesterday. You know, Amazon came up with all their product uh, a couple weeks ago. I'm getting confused on all the Amazon product. It's almost too much. I'm a little underwhelmed by the Google product, hardware products. I think Apple's kind of in a sweet spot of, of, you know, sucking us into the future on their vision. But Google did a little bit of that yesterday. If you Google Google's Chromecast. Oh, did I just say to you Google Google's Chromecast? That's funny. It's a real streaming contender. Um, does it change my thesis? No. But it supports my thesis on I still like them as a company, even though – they're not new and shiny like they used to be. 
PepsiCo, their earnings beat forecast. They boosted their full-year guidance. The thing in that phrase that I like is they boost their full-year guidance. Don't underestimate that. Companies that ha- can deliver in good times and bad times, I think we've learned that a little bit. Anyhow, you can find me online like a chicken McNugget way back in 1983 or tomorrow on this show. Sarah, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more.